No one will be admitted after the guests check in. Joining any of my chants for the last time, I'm not having a three-way with you and Frank. I don't want that. So you keep saying that. I want to be a third-party purveyor of porn. Yeah. Okay. That's why you kept trying to lure us into the bedroom to record in there. Also, I kind of want some Pornhub merchandise, like a windbreaker. Why a windbreaker? I think it would be cool. Wasn't it? Do they have a windbreaker? Oh yeah, they have merch. I know they've merged, but do they have a windbreaker? I'm sure. I could Windbreakers are really in right now. Yeah. They've been in. I would love to wrap some Pornhub merch. Going on Pornhub All real right. quick. Okay. The episode. Welcome to Motel Hell. Motel Hell. Where the hosts are attractive, but you can't tell because we're on um, podcast. a podcast. But we promise that we are, so just take our word on it. 19th. 20s radio announcer. <laughs> Daddy Crush. I'm sorry, this is the wrong thing I'm looking at. We're, we're recording? Yeah. Uh, my name is Alexa. Flex Alexa. <laughs> the flexist of Lexus. Flexster. Um, across the table from me, whose nipples are out and pronounced. Swollen. They sure are. Swollen yeah, nipples. from the heat. There's moisture on them. Say my yeah. name. It's Ben the Beardo, whose beard is coming back. It is. With a vengeance. Yeah. My wife keeps trying to uh, say not to, and I'm like, yeah, Shame sure, me. babe, whatever Shame you me. want. You don't owe me. You don't owe me. I can't find any of this Pornhub merch. I think you lied to me. No, no it's, it's real. It's real. Uh, yeah, and I'm Dick Fetty. Dick Fetty? You're Dick Fetty? Dick Fetty. I've been dicked down. You're just, <laughs> you're just a bunch of Fetty that's <laughs> dicked quite thoroughly. Yeah. Oh. Dick Fetty. Dick Fetty. My name is Dick Fetty. His name is Robert Paulson. <laughs> His name is Dick Fetty. Maybe in death we we get a name. His name, name is Robert, Robert Paulson. Or maybe in death we all become Dick Fetty. Yeah. Mm. Dick. So you're the godhead, essentially. So tonight we're doing um, Finish Noise Part, part two. 2. Surprise! It's not over yet. Yeah. We're just getting started. Yeah. This is actually going to be the next 20 episodes of Motel Hell. <laughs> so if you come here to listen about weird and creepy things, or murder, Time or to... ghost stories, guess what? This is now a music podcast mm-hmm. solely on one very obscure genre <laughs> of music. We, you really could do a podcast on that, Dick Betty. Uh, yeah, I know, because as I tried to prepare my second nights of research, I'm like, wow, I could go for, like, four or five hours. Yeah. And should consider doing a solo podcast on that. And well, Flex is already yawning. Yeah, I, I did consider it. The, the, the issue is, and so, for those who have heard the first part of this two-parter, you know, I was quite disappointed I didn't get as far as I would have liked to the first time. Uh story of my life but um anyway we're bringing it back we're gonna we're gonna try to get to all the juicy tidbits i didn't get to last time more personal stories i'm gonna try not to repeat myself too too much um 
for the benefit of those who listened the first go around. I'm pretty sure you said that on the first episode of this two parter that you wouldn't repeat yourself. So already there. already did yeah. it. Yeah. All right. Shut it down. <laughs> Shut it down. I'll just delete that out and I'll just start mid sentence and people will be like, "Wow, this guy's really drinking when he edits." <laughs> but uh, yeah, I hope it stays interesting. And there just was so much more research I could have done. And ideally, I would have liked to have touched base with some of the people that I know for the podcast, but at the same time, there are a ton of great interviews that are already out there, and a lot of these guys have been interviewed so many times because they're heavy hitters in the scene, and it almost feels duplicative to, to mm. go to that level, so... Duplicative? You think they're listening? I don't know. I know a couple of the Finnish Noise guys are, so... Hi! Example, hey, what's up? For Mika and Mr. Uh, KS and K, whose first name, I apologize, I cannot remember... Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed part two. And, yeah, let's get in. I hope you guys are having a nice day and yeah. that your um, beer glass is full and your balls are empty. Yeah. Mm. Also, bad sentiment, I echo. But before we get into that, let's talk about what we watched tonight. Death Ship, the 1984 Star Siskel and Ebert reviewed four star. No wait, that's not true. Out of how many stars? Okay. Three stars. <laughs> yeah, three out of four. Four out of seven. Uh, by Alvin Rakoff, masterpiece of horror, Death Ship, with George Kennedy, uh-huh. Academy Award winner for his performance in Cool Hand Luke. Wait, did he win an Oscar for Cool Hand Luke? Yeah. yeah. So, kind of a big deal. Good thing to know that you're the uneducated one on the podcast. I don't know a lot about movies, guys. But, um... Yeah, uh, it was spooky, ghostly, dare I say... Shipley? (laughs) Anti-Semitic? Actually, not really. I mean, other than... No, no, no. I mean, I'm alluding to... The Nazis. Listen, yeah, let's just get this out of the way. Yeah. It's a not German Nazi ship. <laughs> so, I guess this was, like, supposed to be a big reveal in the movie, but we loaded up... I was in the bathroom. They loaded up the movie. I walk in. They both go, uh, and point at the screen, and the cursor that highlights either play movie or special features or what it's have you is <laughs> just a swastika. And we were like... If there is no mention of Nazis in this movie, then this is going to be the most hilarious thing that's ever happened. The yeah. DVD menu guys just drunk one day. Like, I can't believe I have to put a menu together for this stupid fucking movie. Who's going to put something random in there? Or, or, or Timothy McVeigh did it. So. It's true. Yeah. But, um... There were... Timothy McVeigh wasn't a Nazi, though, was he? I mean, he, he didn't card like kid. Jews. But he wasn't, he wasn't, a, he wasn't an actual Nazi. Beside the point, though, the movie came recommended to me by my uh, friend, acquaintance, pen pal, Keith, whatever whatever the appropriate nomenclature for that relationship or whatever it is. Lover. Is. Well, yeah. Long distance lover. Yeah. What? Uh, <laughs> no, but... So I, I've watched several DVDs that I've traded or purchased from him, a lot of which are... 70s and 80s schlock of the highest caliber. Oh, that's so good. And and we haven't always agreed to the level of which we've enjoyed said films, but... Man, you're really hung up on Don't Go in the House, aren't you? I, no, I'm not. I'm just <laughs> saying that. I'm not, Enough to attack not, me early. No, it's fine. No. <laughs> you, you did go pretty hard. I did go yeah. hard, and I, and I apologized and straddled you as an apology. Mm-hmm. I did. You can't deny that. 
I used my whole body in that apology. That's true. And it is so hot in this apartment that we're recording in. It was almost like a punishment. <laughs> <laughs> it's not any different than our old apartment. It was equally hot in there, if anybody remembers. I remember sweating my dick off and just having the sound of bugs in the background. I remember oh. you literally getting naked during an earlier episode. Yeah, I do remember that. Anyway, he recommended it and said that... Uh, it had some interesting sound design and some cool industrial machinery type stuff. They really were focused on these pistons, for lack of a better word. <laughs> they really were. And the, the camera angling, the, the shooting of it was like a drunken sailor who just, just had an idea of... How else were they to supposed to portray that the ship was moving? Yeah, yeah. that's true. But it, it was essentially The Shining meets apt pupil at sea. <laughs> so... I've never heard a... a no... This you don't think so? <laughs> no. uh, well, because I liked both those movies. Yeah, I'm not I like this that one, it was but good, but yeah, but you can't compare it to a good movie. Yes, yeah, so you can. A good movie. It, it was a haunt. It was a ship that was haunted by the past, and it had it had old timey music. It had it had doors and and lots of blood. Like there was that blood it's scene. Like the Queen Mary, if it was populated I, by Nazis. I yeah. said it while we were watching it, but the go the ghost ship as it took on ghostly qualities was. Behaving a lot like Home Alone, the first Home Alone. Well, I think what it suffered from is that the the scenes of violence weren't that graphic. Yeah. So it seemed a little bit more slapsticky than horror. It really it was a did. Silly film. Yeah, like Whoa. like even if the guy who got dropped off by the side of the ship, first of all, no one dies in a propeller, so don't wait for that one. Yeah. Well, okay. you don't see it. It's off-screen propeller death. It, I mean, it's alluded to. Any movie, any horror movie that involves a boat, there needs to be at least one person getting chopped up by a fucking propeller. I mean, I, I'm not going to spoil it, but... No, you can spoil can it. Can I this spoil is it? A, this is a movie At yeah, the no. end, he gets ground up by, like, a propeller-type situation. Yeah. No, and it's not a propeller. It's what a is gear. It? Is it a gear? Giant gears. The captain. Yeah, Giant and gears. so this captain gets, like, inhabited by a Nazi spirit, or sort the of? ship kind of takes over him. I mean, yeah. that's the thing. He doesn't sound judged. <laughs> no, and he keeps talking real American. Yeah, but at, at one point, you think it's a concentration camp ship, which is pretty cool. They, they find all these gold fillings and pocket watches in closet concentration camp style. Then they have a torture room. There's a lot of skeletons. Yeah. I, I just want to remark that um, Dick Fetty doesn't actually think concentration camps are cool. No. The idea that. of a concentration camp on the water little different which yeah. makes it interesting as far yeah. as as yeah. far as horror film <laughs> yeah. set pieces concentration camp nazi death ships well that was like the big reveal it was like what's with this ship and then it was like oh well, spooky the, room with a painting of adolf hitler there were there were several paintings of adolf hitler yeah. first of all and there were tons of swastikas in that one yeah. room it was all red and black yeah. it was it was pretty cool. Yeah so and the whole movie you don't see a swastika you see one thing in german but they even remark about how it's a German ship, and it's probably... 40 years old. Yeah, from the 40s, but no one puts together, like, maybe it's a Nazi ship, and all of a sudden they walk into a room that's just, like... Nazi propaganda. It's yeah. what you think some guy in it, the South is it's doing It's probably in what Mike Pence's bedroom looks it like. It is almost definitely what Mike Pence's bedroom <laughs> yeah. looks like. I like that. With, I think that's an accurate yeah, description. With the secret room that you open and there's a giant oil painting of Hitler. Yeah, yeah. And, and on it, his door before he leaves there's a, just a plaque that says Nine! <laughs> no, no, it just says don't compliment Hitler in public today. <laughs> but 
It was it was a silly film, but it, quite enjoyable. Yeah. Definitely, if you're if you're a drinker, I'd say minimum six pack per person to get max enjoyment. But you're you're really looking at get a thirty rack and a couple of friends and have a nice time. Yeah, maybe two blunts. Yeah, yeah. a blunt would help. Yeah, a two blunt ride, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I could dig that. Yeah, I think we have higher tolerances than normal people, so maybe we shouldn't recommend the. Not any no, two blunts never hurt anybody. No, yeah. not two blunts. I'm just talking about six pack per person. <laughs> That's oh, like, that's excessive. It in really, an hour and to a, half. a normal person, it is. Well, that would be considered binge. Yeah, yeah, to a normal walking human vagina. <laughs> to me, it does not sound like nearly enough. And when you said split thirty rack with a few of my friends, I thought that's too many friends to yeah. split that with. Regardless of the amount of alcohol it takes for you to enjoy life, <laughs> this is one that is worth watching. I'd say, as far as ratings go. Six out of ten tops. I mean, it, it is a poorly made film, but I have a soft spot for any kind of spooky Nazi stuff, and everybody knows this. Yeah, that's true. And you know, George Kennedy was. It was. It was just so <laughs> absurd, and it was so poorly written and and contrived. But they were really. I, I guess they were really trying. I, I like the fact that it was a ship. I like big machinery, so all of that stuff was cool to me. It was like Tetsuo meets The Shining. It didn't matter if the rest of it made any sense yeah. at all. It, the, the elements were there, even if they weren't put together in a, <laughs> a way. A woman <laughs> getting all mutated because she ate two pieces of candy. Uh, totally uh, unexplained. Cool. Someone being hurt by a film yeah. just that's just pointing at them, and then and then teleporting. Two people yeah, teleporting. Yeah, that's true. They yeah, did teleport. It was awesome, so... Yeah, I, I'd say give it a watch, but drink. Yeah, I'd I'd uh, I'd say I'd say a solid five. Okay, well let me give it two ratings, right? Let me give it a rating as far as actual horror movies go. Like if you're looking for like a quote unquote good horror movie, first of all, if you're the person who goes to see mo- horror movies just to be scared, you're probably a fucking idiot, and you probably don't actually like horror movies. Yeah. But as far as like good horror movies, well directed. All that stuff. Three out of ten. Yeah, three out of ten. Tops. But as far as, like, something fun to do on a hot night mm-hmm. with, you know, two of your scandally clad friends, I, I, I'd say it's all seven. Seven out of ten. I mean, it was it was enjoyable. I could watch it again, you know, yeah. without okay. being mad about it. Yeah. I think the two rainy scale is important because I like watching shitty stuff with people I enjoy. And for that reason, I will also give it a seven blood-drenched women out of ten blood-drenched And that was a solid scene to me. I mean, it didn't make any sense. And she was spitting around way too much. But that didn't bother me. The visual of a naked woman covered in blood always, I don't care how much she spends. Yeah, that's true. I really... and, And they have the overhead shot where... Loved it. I like that she... When he goes to, like, throw her off the ship, like, she's... Yeah, so there's... There's a scene in the movie where the 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 quote unquote hot chick of the movie is showering. Finally gets nude. Finally gets nude. You see butt. You see some bush. You see you see some titties, uh, but they're spinning around and covering blood, which is great. <laughs> she gets trapped in a shower, which starts spewing out blood. Her guy, she's fucking, runs out of the room to go get another dude. Runs back. She's gone. The captain's just got her like Dragon. fucking full overhead. Just screaming and throws her off the side and of the ship. Ca- casts her into the yeah. sea and says, "Like, I will now cast you into the ocean <laughs> or something along those lines." But does it? 
It's the only... We bequeath you into the deep. Yeah, it's the only thing remotely resembling chilling as far as the film goes. But he just straight chucks a bitch. Like, there's no hesitation. And then she plops, goes into it. And there's the burial at sea, which was pretty fucking great when they yeah. chucked the lady who ate the poison candy. Yeah, yeah that's right pretty over. dope. Yeah. But the the ship craves blood, and there's a scene where they tell you repeatedly that it does, and there's this echo on everything George Kennedy says. Your it's, wife, your children, your, your wife. children, your wife, <laughs> your wife, your children, your children, your wife. Yeah, you can blood, 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 yeah, blood. Yeah. That's actually the scene. Wow. Yeah. Verbatim. That was, uh, compared to what we watched last episode, which made me want to kill myself, this was a and nice... I, th- I thought you said it didn't do anything to you. Um, now, you did say that. now that we're, we have watched a fun movie, <laughs> I'm realizing I had a less enjoyable time last week than I did this week. Yeah, and, and to touch back on, so we watched No Town Murders last episode. We all read about the crimes. Yeah. I, I read about them significantly more after we watched in the, the week that followed. And the movie is pleasant compared to yeah. the reality. It was so much worse. I mean, not so, so much in the sense that they, they portrayed most of the murders, but Jesus yeah. Christ. Yeah, pretty bleak stuff. Pretty yeah, bleak. it didn't really affect me at the moment, but now that we have done something fun together as a group, I realize... Yeah, it's something to contrast it with. Yeah, it was a dark time. Oh, this is what happiness feels like <laughs> again. It's like I haven't seen the sun in many an age. Anyway, are we going to move on to your disco box? Disco time. Disco box! <laughs> I like that. Yeah, that's the new one. That's the new one. So this week's disco box, there are a lot of things I'd like to recommend. I could re-recommend Vomitor's Pestilent Death because that stayed pretty steadily on the turntable. It is a good record. I could recommend the other record I got from them today in the mail. But I'll do that next time. So instead, I'm going to go black metal straight up. And the first recommendation this week is Antaeus's first album, Cut Your Flesh and Worship Satan. And it was originally released in 2000 on Baphomet Records and then later re-released on End All Life and then later re-released on Osmos. And it is, for as far as I'm concerned, seminal black metal that's out of not from Norway and as far as France goes I generally am quite negative towards the country but Are they you? have a pretty I've excellent black metal scene I know I know this may come as a shock but, but they make terrible horror movies yeah but they make great black metal didn't they make that movie raw? everybody gets one okay <laughs> true but it's still had a very French ending yeah yeah for shame um, but yeah, so Cut Your Flesh and Worship Satan is a bit of a mouthful, and it's silly the to a certain extent, but it's deadly serious, and the vocalist and lyricist and sort of leader of the band, <laughs> what? It's silly, <laughs> but, but it's deadly serious. Well, it is. I mean, that's kind of most black metal. Part of you is like, these are guys in makeup, and they're, you know, making silly poses in the woods. And then the other part of it's very serious, and they're they're legitimately about what they sing about. Mm. And MKM is covered in humongous scars that make my scars look petite and uh, weak. And uh, yeah, weak I and appreciate. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how to put it, 
basically like I mean the dude is just literally covered head to toe in scars just from self mutilation. Yeah, big big scars. Self harm is uh, we do not advocate for self harm on the podcast. Yeah, true, but or whatever you're into. And I don't you keep really... winking at us. I'm not winking. At yeah, you. Why do you always do this. You always wink and then deny it. As always, I think what you want to do with your body is that's up to you. But regardless. It's one of those albums that a lot of people that aren't into the band say, this is ridiculous, edgelord bullshit. And then for people that are into cutting their flesh and worshipping Satan, or just really into black metal and appreciate something a little different, um, I would give it an A-plus recommendation. The recording quality is the most necro of all of their albums. The riffing is still not exactly your normal black metal riffing or guitar tone, and it has this extremely violent style to it. It doesn't have any of the melodicism of Norwegian black metal or Finnish black metal. It's it's way more brutal and I don't know. It takes some adjustment and for me I'm, well, I'll, I'll get to it. I'll explain my own history with Antaeus briefly but my second recommendation is their second album which is De Principi Evan- Evangelicum which is the Evangelical Principles or something like that. It's kind of shitty Latin, which is their album from 2002 on Osmos. And they took, they beefed up the production and the songs got a little bit more death metal-y and the, the insane drumming that accompanies them. And the, the thing I forgot to mention in the first album is there's all these noisy ambient interludes, which is pretty common in black metal, but almost every song has an intro and an outro with some kind of industrial... Uh, harsh ambience to it and it's way harsher than like something like Mortis or many black metal bands which just have spooky preset keyboard sounds and then it goes into a you know a track or whatever this is all like like spooky sounding spooky ooky yeah like ooky spooky and spooky. it's really good it's the kind of stuff where I could probably listen to an album of just that kind of ambience and cold meat uh, industry bands do a lot of that type of stuff. Uh, and De Principi has a little less of that and just more brutal riffing and, and a more brutalness in the sound to the point of almost being a little bit monotonous. But it's really quick. It's, I think, under 30 minutes. And there are two really key songs on it. The first one being Worms at Day Six, which is just one of the finest Antaeus songs to my taste and has this great, like, it goes through this whole, like, on day one, your flesh will burn. On day two, something, something, and then worms on day six. And I'm not, I'm, I'm not good at remembering lyrics. But step one, steal underpants. Step two, <laughs> step three, profit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, that's like the most maligned album in their discography because lots of people worship their first album and say, "Oh, the second one was too monotonous. It was this, that, and the other." It's funny to listen to it if you know, their whole discography in retrospect, it's really, it's a really good album, first of all. And in terms of monotony, their third album, Blood Libels, is so much more insanely brutal and monotonous in the way it's produced, which is my third Disco Box recommendation. I'm recommending their entire discography minus their most recent album, which I'll shit on in a second. But Blood Libels was my introduction to the band. I had heard of Cut Your Flesh, Worship Satan, and as somebody who used to carve upside-down crosses into myself and pentagrams and all that used crap. Used to. I haven't done it for a while. A um, couple weeks. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I don't know. It, it used to be, you know, you light some candles, you put on some satanic black metal, you cut yourself. It was, it was 
It was a time in now my life. Now you just cut yourself to Lifetime movies. Whatever. You changed. Yeah. yeah. My pain is different today. It mostly relates to debt. But uh, <laughs> Blood Libels was my introduction. I picked up the CD, and so that album came out in 2006 on Norma Evangelium Diaboli, which is the label famous for being the primary label of Dustfell Omega and Funeral Mist and Catharsis and Antaeus and a bunch of other top-tier bands, a lot of which are French, but there are also some bands from... Oh, and Watin, of course. Um, I picked it up at Relapse Records, which used to have a physical store in Philly on South Street, and I was... On, I was between Blood Libels and some other album that I can't even remember and I went with Blood Libels and I put it on on my way home and the first song is called Rot and it starts with this building industrial intro but it's relatively quiet and then the song kicks in and it's just like these I imagine like giant circular saws playing guitars and then just like this, this drum like battery assaultive I love it. Part one, we got skeletons playing instruments. Part two, we, <laughs> we got, got circular saws. saws playing instruments. The saws are playing the instruments. Yeah, the saw. It's like it's like the sound of circular saws being played by circular saws. Okay. Like it's just this just insane. So a circular saw playing itself. Yeah, and the 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 music is compressed and distorted because it's just so ridiculously, and it just comes blasting out like there is no. It's just zero to a hundred immediately. And I was like, holy shit! Like driving my car, I almost, almost fucking crashed because I had, of course, cranked it up all the way, and uh, and then it just doesn't stop for forty minutes. It's insane. It's just fucking relentless. And the best part about it is, I mean, the only time it kind of slows down is they have these really good again, uh, dark ambient industrial interludes in the songs, and the last song is like ten minutes long, and the last five minutes of it are just anguish screams in Latin and French and, and industrial ambience. And the artwork for it is fucking phenomenal. The booklet for the CD is, it's regular paper, high gloss paper, and uh, the, I forget the name of it, but it's like paper that's see-through. It's basically kind of like tracing paper almost, but transparent thicker. Transparent paper? It's not transparent, it's like semi-transparent. And so it overlays, there's this huge cross and then there's like all these symbols and you can lay the paper over different parts to see different things. And it's just very, very cool to me. And I have also the LP, I have all these albums in multiple formats because I absolutely worship this band and what they're about. And they all do it a little differently. The, the re-releases on Osmos for the first two albums, years later they did a sort of blood splatter uh, spray vinyl that's really cool and anyways they're all just really good and for me I basically worked backwards from the from blood libels to the beginning and because I was down with blood libels unrelenting bludgeoning the, the drums are especially noteworthy because they are just they never it's almost double bass the entire time from start to finish so it just becomes this blur and you really have to attentively listen to kind of hear all the detail in the songs and lots of people listen to it once and they're like, this is trash. And it, it deserves more uh, care in listening and, and a couple attempts to really digest the amount of crap that's happening. But yeah, their, their first three albums are phenomenal. They've done some good splits and some shitty splits. They did some mediocre demos and live tapes. There's a more recent live recording from 2013 that's pretty good. Uh, on World Terror Committee, worth checking out. But then they, after 10 years of not releasing really any new studio stuff, came out with this 
album in 2016 called Condemnation, and I was super stoked, and then I saw the artwork, which was kind of dumb, and was a little less excited, and then I heard the first track, which has the shittiest, dumbest production, and while the drums are similar in the style of they are unrelenting and non-stop, there's none of the extreme compressed sound and production to it, so instead of just sounding like you're being crushed by a thousand boulders simultaneously, or pummeled by a million hammers it's just this shitty phlegmatic pulse and it was the album on the whole is is pretty much garbage there's one good song on it to my taste and the rest of it was i couldn't believe that they would tarnish their legacy especially after such unrelenting records and think like yeah this is good enough i i really don't get it like i wanted to get the t-shirt but then i i couldn't even go that far because i can't really support such a shitty record so I don't even own that one anymore. Oh, is this your first Dick Fetty's Disco Box non-recommendation? Yeah. This yeah. is a, a void at all costs. Wow. So, if you live in the Bay Area, Amoeba has copies of Blood Libel. It has a copy of Blood Libels, I think, pretty cheap in their vinyl section. So, whoever's there. I almost bought it, even though I already own it, just because it felt wrong that it should sit there and not be appreciated. I really hope that there is one person in that area listening to the podcast. And well, and the, they're listening to this episode right now, and they're like, oh, shit, and like throw their phone across the room and run out the door. Well, it's not expensive to get on Discogs or other websites that still have it in stock, but I that copy, I'm sure I can almost guarantee you it's the same copy that was there when I was there in 2007. There was a copy there then, and I, I still had the LP then, so I didn't need it. And Aww, I picture it with a little personality. Yeah, I, really like, oh, I can't wait till somebody picks me yeah. up and cuts themselves and listens to me. Yeah. Oh, jeez. You could have no bought it for does. me. I have a ton of untainted flesh, but now. Yeah. Oh, man, you gave that record a real personality that no. maybe I'm just tired or hot, but I want to cry. Uh, yeah, so. Stop it. Knock it off. Uh, Flex Lex actually has the patch that came with the re-release of their second album that just says I hope you die uh, in big I, block letters I like that I had originally bought it for my vest which the back of it is a huge like the whole back piece is an Antaeus patch um, but then I felt like MKM has that tattooed over his heart and that's pretty cool but I'm not MKM I'm just I feel like more of an edgelord to have it on my vest than a cool guy so I never sewed it on. So you just called Flex an, an edgelord? No, not at all. It's not on her vest. It's just it's here on my house. wall. Yeah, it's a, uh, inspirational. I like, I like things that tell people to die. Yeah. Because I'm often saying how much I would like to die. Correct. And kill myself. keep fucking living. Yeah, I know. It's a miracle. Yeah. It's like Groundhog Day. I kill myself every night and then I just wake up again. Truth. So those are <laughs> my Let me gloss over that real quick. My, my recommendations. First three Antaeus albums. You cannot go wrong. The fourth one you can do. Don't do it. <laughs> so wrong. So wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was beautiful. Are we going to close it? <sighs> yeah, I feel like I never give these records their proper explanation. It's a good thing you're doing a whole two-part music episode. It's true. I suppose so. And it is a disco box. It's not a disco discussion. Cavern. Caver- cavern. It's Cavern. not a disco discussion? Yeah. It's a it's a disco box. It only has so much room. Disco Well, <laughs> no! <laughs> I wasn't done. It's over. We closed it. It's walking away. 
Check out Antaeus. <laughs> if you don't, you're a bitch. Oh my god, it's gotten loose! Match <laughs> <laughs> the box! <laughs> you did an impression of the box one time, Ben, and it was so piercing when you re-listened to the episode. Do you remember that? Yeah. Everybody like, fucking god. loved it. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that has our most hits <laughs> out of any episode. Yeah, there's actually a soundbite of just that part on YouTube. No, there is, Ben. There's two. People do not grab soundbites of us. You don't know that. Three most ignorant people on the internet This week, Motel Hell And then it's just one of my many excellent impressions Alright, bring it home, Dick Fatty What do you got for us? Part two Part two Part two So to start off, I'm just going to read briefly A little bit of Miko Aspa's description of Sick Which is this Suomi Industrial Chaos Collective. Apologize again for my shitty pronunciation of Finnish. That's two times now I've apologized for my ignorance. Mm. For those counting. And then get into it with more music tonight. More music, spooky tunes. So, Sick is a loose collective in Finland which aims to put together similar interests, resources, funds, and energy and organize raw noise power electronics live shows, including bringing bands that in old times seemed impossible. That there was cooperation instead of competition, that expenses and demanded workload were shared by many active people and seemed, seemed like a good idea. So that was sort of how it came about and what it's about. And I can't really speak to the inner workings too, too much because I'm not in Finland mm. and I'm not party to it. But this information in part comes from a thread on the special interest forum which is entitled Finnish noise and then I think there's a subtitle for sick or it used to be called sick I think the thread is just Finnish noise now and I'll first explain by saying so special interest is a current magazine that is edited by Miko Aspa and it's put together from interviews recommendations of essentials it used to have reviews in it and just Varying articles that essentially voluntary contributors send to Miko um, when they can, and it kind of comes together. It started as a twice a year, three times a year journal, and then as it's grown on since 2009, I think, when the first issues came out, uh, it has slowed down in its pace for a variety of issues. And the last issue, which came out, Number nine was delayed five years, I think it was. So I've been contributing since the beginning. Dan, what is it? Kingdom Hearts 3? Yeah, really. Good one, Ben. Thanks. A, a joke I totally understand. Two people get that. And they're sitting in this room. But, yeah, so originally I contributed because I was buying tons of noise at the time and I was listening to a lot of it and I was already writing reviews to an extent on the forum before I think even the magazine came out and then I started submitting reviews and then a little bit, a couple of years later I started doing some proofreading here and there which was tough because most people use English, uh, British English alphabet and spelling so words like organization use S's instead of Z's and 
color has a U in it and stuff like that. So Ew. I would get all this stuff that would pop up on my spell check as being wrong, and then I'd correct it, and then they'd be like, no, it's fine. That's how we spell it here. And I'm like, okay. So I learned a little mm. about other cultures or whatever. And you hate that. Yeah, it wasn't my thing. But no, I've gotten more and more involved. I did, so I, I've recently done some interviews and blah, blah, blah. The magazine is awesome and a great place to get into this, not just Finnish noise, but noise, industrial culture generally. It focuses primarily on power electronics, industrial, harsh noise, avant-garde, experimental, but none of the limp-wristed, soft stuff, this is, it's the harder end of the spectrum. And most of the people that contribute are all into the harder end, but there are some outliers in every issue where I read interviews or articles with artists I've never heard of and get exposed to stuff that I otherwise wouldn't have sought out on my own. So, especially if you're a newcomer, definitely recommend it. They're now professionally bound and printed, and I think they always were, but the the quality of the magazine has gone up and up and up since it started, and now it's this unwieldy, takes five years to publish thing. And I know that Miko's trying to get back on a, a quicker schedule, but it's it's a lot to do for any one person. I and do. we will send signed copies. We're having a contest. We'll send signed copies to anyone... What you have to do is you have to send a tow to mm -hmm. P.O. Box 666, mm -hmm. Motel Hell, mm -hmm. California, California, L.A. <laughs> Motel Hell, California, L.A. Whoever has the best looking tow that's, that's sent in will get signed copies that's of true. all of these. Make sure you address okay. that. So as somebody who, uh, we that's not a real offer and should be clear that to everyone... <laughs> This isn't a real offer. I just do this so we don't get sued down the line when some toe shows up in L.A. with Where's My Magazines attached to it. And there goes Dick Fetty winking at me on a podcast. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, man. Drunk on Heat over here. Yeah, I like that. That sounds like a cool album name. Drunk on Heat. Jungle Fuck. That could be the name. <laughs> So, again, and not to spend too much time on any one person, but it's sort of, the forum kind of runs itself as far as it's a forum, it's self-policing, and there's not, everybody who, for the most part, posts, avoids shit posting, and it's generally a consistent discussion of high quality about all sorts of things related to noise, industrial, and all sorts of periphery stuff from true crime to pornography to poetry to... Uh, naturalism and discussions of any other thing that really crossed. There was a whole big active thread for a while of cooking and there was a bunch of vegans who were like posting all these vegan recipes and you know there's a forum about beer and hard it drugs. It really is a form of special interest. Oh. <laughs> but you know this is it, it's just another thing that Miko in part started and or in whole started and is a backbone to a larger international scene, I would say, to a point, and um, also a direct, you know, it's a direct result of Finnish noise and whatever else. And I'm going to touch on, so I talked a little bit about Freak Animal before, which is Miko Aspa's record label, it's Power Electronics label, it's been active since 1993 in Lati. It's, I think at this point, the longest consistently running Finnish noise label and primarily it's made up of a roster of Finnish artists and the only people that aren't Finnish that are on there are all people that Miko knows personally has a relationship with and basically has a policy of he doesn't just release anybody's music he's got to know them there's got to be a reason 
lately he's been doing uh, sort of compilation CDs of uh, demos or hard to get tapes of Finnish noise artists who are on the periphery and getting them out to a wider audience. He still does a really big CD catalog uh, for stuff. I mean, that's the primary way because it's, as far as amount to cost, it's still the most cost-effective way to sell music. Um, and in Europe, there's not the same hatred towards CDs as there is in the United States where everybody wants tape or vinyl. But he still does tons of tape, he still does tons of vinyl. He also runs Northern Heritage, which is his black metal label, which has been going since 97 or 99, I think, and I won't get into, but is another huge label as far as Finnish black metal and black metal generally goes, and is a well-respected underground black metal label, and there's Intersection that I'm going to get to in a little bit, but I previously mentioned his Grunt project, which is his long-running power electronics and harsh noise project, and is was my gateway really into Finnish harsh noise and power electronics. So I want to play just briefly a clip of a more recent grunt song called Gas Fumes, which is from the Sacrosanct Imperium uh, EP, which came from the same recording sessions as Myth of Blood, his 2015 album. So I'm going to play a little bit of this real quick. Flex's face. It went from terrified child to almost, I, I, I want to say, understanding father <laughs> to confused parents. Yeah. Mm. Solid. Solid description. Uh, the spooky. Yeah. The spooky. So this is, from my taste, aside from the, some of the tracks on the new album, the best grunt song in a long time. I was listening earlier today, I meant to put it in here, but I'm not gonna bore everybody with just playing grunt for two hours, though I would kind of like to do that. Love to do that. Um, he, he has another track called uh, Long Lasting Happiness Part Four, and it's part of, it's basically like one long song chopped into five parts, and there's a bunch of samples in the other parts of the song from the Crackhead Diaries, which is a great porn website where this guy pays crackheads to have sex with him, and then he talks to them a bunch about like what led them to, you know, become sex workers and drug addicts and whatever. And it's it's like pretty amazing stuff. But 
anyways, the the one song is is Wild. the lyrics are like, you know, do you beg for change, the little coins or change of a different life? You know, it's you watch on TV as people talk about better things and you can't even smile because your jaw aches from so many customers today. But the way that the lyrics are delivered, it's just so brutal. And I listened to it on a bunch of DXM one time. And it, <laughs> it, it cut me to the core. And to this day, I still get chills when I listen to it. And it's like, in some ways, my favorite grunt song. Although it's hard to say because I've done a lot of drugs to a lot of different grunt songs. And they all have a special place in my destroyed brain. Uh, but I also want to say, you brought up a good point earlier. So for anyone who's listening and their music is going to be in this episode of the one before and you don't want it in there, just shoot me an email at perfectblue69 at hotmail.com. And I will, 69. Yeah, I will take it out of the podcast and it'll be like it never existed and whatever. I'm not trying to steal or infringe anyone's copyright. This is all nonprofit. We're not even getting paid for this. So I would argue it's fair use as far as copyright goes. But if you don't want your music in here, just tell me I'll take it out. So, and if you'd like to pay us to do our podcast, please do. Yeah. That would be wonderful. But also, I don't really care. Um, We're not in it for the money, man. Yeah. So, I, I had mentioned before that Miko has several other projects, some of which are main projects. We played a little Nicole 12 last night, time towards the end of the episode. And for whatever reason, I was being really coy about the subject matter for this stuff. I don't know what I was trying to dance around but so Nicole 12 is like about pedophilia child abuse child prostitution it's not glorifying or or condemning it's basically just narratives of the subject from multiple angles there's a heavy use of samples and a heavy use of these sugar daddy vocals and it's truly unpleasant stuff especially if it's one of the first things you hear from the genre you're like wow this is horrible and fucked up. Then there's Clinic of Torture, which is all basically about hardcore, sadomasochist, porno, and tons of those samples are used in songs in a live fashion, and most stuff is recorded live in one take with no overdubs, and I briefly want to play that just as, uh, for my taste, I think, I think of Clinic of Torture as being basically just instrumental power electronics. The, the themes the, of sex, violence, serial killers, all those things to me are quintessential power electronics themes more than they are necessarily harsh noise themes. And because of thematic intent, for me at least, some music classifies more as one genre than another. Not to say that there isn't plenty of serial killer oriented harsh noise, but it's a particularly power electronics thing to cover. So essentially our podcast is power electronics. Yeah. In many ways, which is not by accident, so... Well, it's what we all enjoy. Yeah, which is why I don't Power understand... Nobody loves Death Pile here except for me, but... No. Well, I mean, you, you like, but... Yeah, you... No, but you... Play your fucking song, all right, right? fine, whatever. I'm just gonna play this for, like, a couple seconds. This is Clinic of Torture. This is from the, uh, three-inch CD. <laughs> I'm 
The artwork for all these albums is no joke. I mean, you're talking splayed vaginas, like women in, in gyno chairs with their legs spread open, getting vaginas whipped. Uh, this one has a, a pyramid-shaped dildo with tacks sticking out, and then there are... It's from a larger picture set, which is shows up in one of the Institute of Paraphilia journals that I have. And I've seen this. It's terrifying. Yeah, it's quite brutal stuff, and, uh, you know, but it's all willing participants, so... Yeah, no. Just extreme, extreme porno, and... Solid stuff. I love Clinic of Torture. I used to have the Clinic of Torture logo shirt, which is just this girl. It's a black and white shirt with this Clinic of Torture on the top, and then it was a girl's sp splayed legs on a gyno table with just, like, her vagina. And I, back when I was drinking, I cared not for what people thought mm -hmm. and would just wear it to school or to the bar. People were always like, huh, that's Interesting awful. Interesting dude. Yeah, that's and then it disappeared, and I'm quite sure that my mom threw it away. Yeah. When it wound up in the laundry Or one she's day. kept it for herself. Yeah, yeah, she's wearing it to bed. Yeah, so... Love you, Mama Dick Fatty. <laughs> yeah, no, she is great. She did my laundry for many a year, and that's the price you pay. <laughs> your filthy shirts get lost. I had a different Navicon Torture Technologies one, which was a girl having her vagina ripped open, and it's, like, in the center of a circle with all these sharp points, and then on the back it says, Gospel of the Gash. And I was like, this is disgusting. She's like, you wash this shirt. I was like, come on. <laughs> and she washed it, because she's my mom. Uh, Gospel of the Gash. Dark look into the uh, world of Dick Fetty. Oh, so. God. It, it all just, and I can respect the genre, but I feel so uncomfortable when you play any music from the genre. Good. I just, not like... At, on a moral level, just like the physical reaction I have is to move away from the sound. Well, it's unpleasant it sound. It is unpleasant. And I totally am open, but just like I can't, every time I've heard it, I've been like, I would like to get farther away from what this is. Yeah. No, it's assaultive. I mean, it's it's noise in the literal sense of it's music that's like not what your brain wants to hear. It's not <laughs> traditional music. And, you know, as I talked a little bit before, but... Power Electronics is, is a unique middle ground between, you know, the abstract noise and more uh, traditional music patterns and things like that. There are songs that can have almost a verse chorus type of a structure. Right. Or, or they're more monotonous, but there's often like an anchoring level of underlying rhythm or things mm -hmm. like that, which to me make it all so much more accessible. Whereas like harsh noise, I mean, if you listen to the Rita and it's 35 minutes of just static crunch there is nothing there it's 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 like scaling an infinitely high granite wall with not a foothold and you're just i remember when we first started hanging out and you gave me one of your albums and i was in my car with my now father-in-law mm. and he goes oh what's this i'm like oh that's that's my buddy frank's uh that's his music oh was it i think it was probably the collaboration with umpio i think so yeah i can't remember i have so much of your music now yeah but He's like, oh, can we listen to it? I'm like, are you, are you sure? Because his favorite band's U2, so <laughs> it's not it's not something... It's not similar to U2. No, no, no. it's not. And uh, I put it on, and we listened to an entire side in a car ride, and I, I, I turn it off after the one side. I'm like, so? He's like, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, interesting. Yeah. 
It's like nice. It's not for everyone. Not for everyone, for sure. So there are a couple other. Miko has a lot of other projects, especially related to IOPS. The other, the other one that I think is definitely noteworthy is Silence of Vacuum, which is his leather and vinyl oriented project that's all about like leather and vinyl fetishism like full leather suits so it's like the sound of the suits being sealed up as like the song so it's just this like basically throbbing bassy sounds for most of the albums that are really droney and ultra minimal it's a lot like the Rita but instead of harsh noise wall crunch it's a different kind of monotonous you know no vocals none of that but really really good stuff I've got a lot of those tapes I think I have all of those tapes um but yeah i don't want to spend really too much more time other than to say uh he's been involved in black metal pornography power electronics harsh noise in finland since the early 90s and i think most people become aware of him that are in get to know finnish noise because he's allegedly the vocalist for death spell omega and so he's got like a huge reach because they are a massive black metal band. And as soon as you start looking into them, they always mention that he used to do the erotic perversion design and that he does this grunt project and whatever. And he's, you know, one of the longest running projects in the country. And he's also really phenomenal as far as I'm but it's concerned. it's not proven that he's the lead singer in Despel Omega. Yeah, they've never done an interview and... And all the times I've ever spent with him, I've never broached the question because it's really a moot point. It doesn't... I used to really want to know and it would be like on the tip of my tongue the whole time and now I just like don't care. It sounds a lot like him and it I wouldn't surprise me given that he released their first two albums on Northern Heritage and a bunch of other stuff. Mm. Signs point to the fact that that is the case, but... Ooh, episode two's got a mystery. Oh. Yeah. So you can make your own decisions. There's definitely seems to be, in my opinion, multiple vocalists. Because somebody's doing French, speaking French, and it's, I do not believe him. Uh, but the the way that the vocals are delivered is extremely similar to Clandestine Blaze at times. And even the way that the words come out, like the enunciation and other things, would lead me to point to yes. But we're getting a little off topic. But anyway... He's one of the first you're going to know. And Bizarre Uproar, Pazzi Markula, which was mentioned before. His projects, Xenophobic Ejaculation, Snuff with uh, Pekka BT, and all these other one-off collaborations he's done with Filth and Violence are a big deal because Filth and Violence has gone from being a small, hardcore label to being still a small, hardcore label, but with an insane amount of people that are interested in it that aren't interested in most other noise. But it's so singular in its focus of filth and violence that it basically can sell anything to anybody and not every tape that comes out on the label is great but they all they all give you what they guarantee which is filth and violence and i i collected everything that the label put out for a long time i don't have duplicates of like the multiple formats for all the stuff although to do have it for some key releases but um you know his projects sort of mixed together in terms of themes and bizarre uproar these days is this eh, it's like Sun if they did power electronics in the sense of it's this massive dirge with like an actual guitar, bass guitar, and brutal vocals and just a wall of crushing sound. 
Uh, and one of the best things about the project is they record essentially live with amplifiers and well-placed microphones so that the sound you get is this ultra-ripping, massive kind of a sound. And I had re-listened to the episode from last time a couple times before doing this one, and I wish I could describe this music better. It's in part why I'm going to play it more. It's really like, it's brutal is going to be a word you're going to hear a lot because it's a brutal fucking mm -hmm. genre, and I don't really know... You know, there's a, I could go more into it, but check this shit out. Like, really give it a listen. It's on YouTube, although that's a stupid fucking way to listen to this music. But if you really are cheap and you don't want to get more invested, start there. Go to Freak Animals' website or if you're in the U.S., go to Malignant. Check out the shit they've got in their distro. Uh, but yeah, so xenophobic ejaculation is the like hyper-sexualized, hyper-racist project that he has. He, the original performances were him and an entire, like basically like white long johns with a white ski mask, like just, and then a huge Nazi flag in the background. And it was just the sound of either like Nazi marching or whatever, or just feedback. And then just like, just screaming vocals and all this stuff. I'm gonna play briefly, Raise Your Right Arm, which is I think from the white power tape, if memory serves me correctly just to get a taste of that, and then I will play one other bizarre upward track, so. <laughs> What are your feelings? Um, I get the aesthetic of being extreme for extreme's sake, which, correct me if I'm wrong, is kind of what they're going for. No. Not really, no. So are they going for white supremacy? I mean, without having more intimate conversations with Pazzi... I think it's, so this is the, one of the manifestos I read from the anti-realism book mm -hmm. last time, and it's, don't read into this further, this is exactly what it is. Okay, so... So, I mean, basically, like, xenophobic ejaculation releases are packaged with KKK membership cards, like, old flyers from the KKK, there's a box set that comes with a massive Nazi flag, like, it's pretty clearly, like, racist, and whether it's... Pazzi's a full-on wild racist or it's just like music that shows full-on wild racism it's kind of up for the listener to decide or the participant if you go to the shows and whatever but there is definitely not a any timidness as far as dealing with extreme racial racism whatever in Finnish power electronics so take that for what it is but it's you know I think that there's an easy argument to be made that Pazzi's probably a wild racist to a point. Right. Um, so what do I think? I think 
it's dangerous and irresponsible um, and not something I could ever get behind or support personally. Yeah. So, so you're going to chop that up so it sounds like she's saying I can I get, get behind that <laughs> and support it. No. Yeah. I, uh, I don't uh, condone nor uh, appreciate I can already it's hear a, it. I can done and appreciate yeah, there's a lot. xenophobic I, ejaculation. I like, I dislike all of it and like none of it. Um, Fair enough. Yep. Those are my opinions. So, to get a slightly different taste of the coin, I had talked before taste about... Taste of the coin? side of the coin whatever yeah I'm mixing my metaphors you want to put all those coins in your mouth yeah (laughs) Uh, apparently you've never eaten coins before so that's your mistake I'm going to briefly play assisted self sterilization which is from the album Bizarre Uproar and Gelsamina did Gelsamina being the precursor to 6C which is Pekka PT's current project or one of a few along with SSRI um which I talked about last time is one of my recommended best albums to get into. This is basically pure harsh noise and quite brutal. So just a quick little look into that. kind of like that but just looped and looped and looped and then there are these cool computer edits so it was cool Gelsamina was a harsh noise project that was a lot of it was done on the computer and then you mix that with Pazzi's more physical and brutal but clear sounding metal abuse style and you wind up with this just insane nasty album that really good definitely check out so I think that kind of covers his stuff pretty thoroughly. I know he was based in Vanta for a while. I think he's still in the area or the Helsinki area, essentially. Um, Phil and Violence is still a very active label. There's a lot more international artists that are on it now, but there's still a ton of bands that are either directly related to Pazzi or at least from Finland on the label. And it has a pretty far reach. They do a lot of CD reissues of all the tapes and then some vinyl reissues of the bigger albums. So it's if you want to check it out, it's not too hard to get. Although a lot of the stuff is now banned for sale on Discogs and other websites because of the uh, hyper-racialized content of it. Along with that, um, so Six Seed by Pekka PT is, like I said, his current incarnation. He's from Turku, uh, still based in Turku. He's... He used to run Undergeschoss from 2009 until I think it was 2016 or maybe 15. The labels pretty much stopped, but he was doing stuff concurrently with Filth and Violence when it was really blowing up. My first proper album was on Undergeschoss, and he he has a real interesting mix of appreciation as far as prog rock and death metal and a bunch of different influences that go beyond the normal stuff that everybody talks about so there's a lot of like psychedelic bent to a lot of his work more so in ssri which at times is this collage of 
weird and disturbing sounds or just like unpleasant but not in a harsh way just odd sounding stuff mixed with more brutal harsh noise he got into later i have a really nice tape that was put out on Cy Clark's label Black Psychosis in the UK, which is, it's a canvas bag with an SSRI stencil on it, and then inside are tarot cards related to uh, Aleister Crowley's style Black Magic, and the whole release is themed around a bunch of stuff like that. I mentioned, I think, The Great Corrupter last time. I wanted to play, I know I mentioned Snowfell, which is a screwdriver cover, so I'm gonna play this pretty quickly. shit that album is the closest to sort of straight up power electronics that he ever got um at least as i haven't heard like i said the two most recent albums but basically he put that album out and then he did a series of tapes that were way more industrial than rather power electronics they got into a lot of really interesting source sounds there was a lot of really great acoustic junk metal abuse but also just again like weird uncomfortable stuff not as broken sounding as ssri but with a focus on rhythms that weren't from either drum machines or synths or anything like that but like uh, unique sounding sources and with themes that were significantly different or at least on their face than a lot of other finished power electronics and there's a Philip K. Dick influences, there are other sci-fi writer influences, um, a lot of just kind of like a dystopian type of a feel. The one tape called Elephant Man is particularly good. He did another one called, what was it, Guilty Perversions, I want to say, that was all covers. There's a Pink Floyd cover, a Billie Holiday cover of Strange Fruit, and a cover of Autopsies, Praise the Children. I forget what the other one is. Uh, it wasn't Frank Zappa, but something like that and was a really interesting look at like his influences through this morphed and horrible um power electronics lens or semi-power electronics industrial whatever merc and uh for the most part i'm i pretty much will buy on site anything by six seed i just haven't been as up on my filth and violence stuff in the past couple of years so i don't have his most recent things as i mentioned you piece of shit i know i know but he's one of the mainstays of Turku, and I know that he's pretty busy with his personal and family life, so I think he's a lot less active for that reason. Um, he did some really great collaborations with Umpio before they 
sort of parted ways as far as working together. They did this Penny Moon Day uh, project. They did two albums. The first one was on, I think it was, was it, it wasn't Filth and Violence. I think it was Obscurex released the first album in it, and then Freak Animal did the second. And it's basically all instrumental, industrial, very cold sounding, like two mad scientists in an underground bunker putting together this just amalgamation of parts, these like all this cold electronic and, and mechanical sounding stuff that were really good and I think are not mentioned enough as far as his body of work are concerned. So those would uh, be highly recommended as well. I mentioned Stromy C before. I just mentioned them again in the sense of they totally rule. Their most recent thing was a collaboration with Christopher Ofstetter or Ofster. I forget his last name. He's a Norwegian dark ambient guy called Stromstad that came out on Malignant last winter and is a phenomenal short. I, I reviewed it for the Disco Box back mm -hmm. when it came out. It was one of my albums of the year. And um, they continue to be awesome. They're from Yoensu, which... As far as hubs of Finnish noise, there's Yoinsu, there's Lati, there's Turku, and then I know that there are some Lapinrenta is another area, uh, less or so, but those are the main ones that I know. I don't know necessarily where all the more peripheral guys are from. It's not always super clear, but that's where they're from, so just another brief mention. I I mentioned Jakob Van Hala as far as his... Older projects, Icarax and Zote Aeon, and then he currently does incredibly good Harsh Noise. Although he hasn't put out anything in a while under his own name, he did two tapes that then later came out as CDs on Freak Animal. Uh, their names are escaping me. I think one is to the Lions and the other is Feral Earth. And... They're unfortunately out of print right now, but if you ever if you're into harsh noise, they are incredible and worth getting like immediately. It's not exactly cut up harsh noise, but it's very dynamic and active with an amazing mixture of incredibly good metal abuse mixed with more electronic oriented type of stuff. He's based in Oulu, um, and is a really as far as my time spending and talking with him is a really interesting, intelligent guy. And he's been active since he was a young teen in all sorts of good bands. Everything he does is incredibly well done. He's just like super talented in any genre he touches. So uh, all of his work, especially Zodeon and the stuff under his own name, I would highly recommend. He's one of the uh, more noteworthy people from, well, uh, pretty much everybody operating in Olu is noteworthy, but he's... He's one of the best. He also was, I don't know if he's still active uh, doing stuff with Miko for Grunt, but he was basically the second member for a good number of years, and I don't know that they're still um, recording as a duo, but I think that they are. And I saw I saw Jakob Van Hala, when I saw Grunt in London during the Myth of Blood era, they played together, and it was phenomenal. Like, Yako's, like, just crushing this all sorts of metal stuff and coming up with this incredible background noise, and then Miko's doing vocals and other physical noise elements. But the highlight of probably that entire weekend was Yako's soul set, and it was in part because most of the acts were power electronics, so you kind of got used to a certain sound, and it was all very top-tier, really good stuff. But Yako, like his live set was it was just like being struck by lightning for half an hour it was fucking so intense and so goddamn good 
there was one little light that got smashed, I think, and, and like everybody was going crazy. It was, it was really, 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 really good. Uh, the other person I want to mention who's originally from Kuopio but now lives in Oulu is my buddy Mika. I mentioned him briefly last time. Uh, he's one of my oldest friends and contacts from Finland. And as I said before, he's hosted me three times. He's been a phenomenal friend. And I've performed three times in Finland as Concrete Mascara. The one time, I guess we did more of a collaboration. And the last time, and that was the... That was the Conti show that I'm going to get to in a little bit yeah. with the blood and the anguish and then the later sobriety. Um, <laughs> and then the last time I was there, he helped me and did uh, backup. Well, just did second vocals and uh, metal abuse for the show we did most recently in Conti, which was also like my uh, repentance or... or sort of makeup show for the fucking disaster of the first one. And he's and, our number one fan. Yeah, well, he's, he's, he's definitely one of them. And I had the really huge pleasure of hosting him and his fiance um, back last November. And we just had like an absolute fucking blast. But he has a project called Unclean. He was originally in a different project called Insular. And he's also done stuff um, as part of Ironclad and Gangrene and some other projects. Gangrene's with, I think, Edge of Decay. Ironclad is with Pazzy and... Oh, Christ. I forget who was the other person in the group. It might have been... Um, well, it doesn't matter. But his unclean stuff went from being ultra-raw feedback, not super active feedback, but like sort of this staticky, brutal feedback into a much more clean sounds and but for my taste a really like almost a euro electronics but still with a very finished touch to it and i'm going to briefly play the track from his full album that he put out on filth and violence i guess it was three years ago now that i guess got some mixed reviews but to me was definitely his finest and most developed work yet this one's called who are you and it's really nice and creepy without being overly harsh That guy sure was a lot of things. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> potentially. His his my at least favorite track for my taste was uh, this track called Filth Pig that's on the White Noise uh, compilation. It was originally put out as an LP on Urashima and then was recently re-released on Filth and Violence. I think Pekka PT curated it and it's got a nice mixture of there's Edge of Decay, Silence of Vacuum, Chloroform Rapist, um, Unclean. I'm missing a couple of the other ones. I'm sure Bizarre Uproar is on there. That's a really nice comp, but his his track on that is like an epic, 
13 minute killer song that he, he previewed for me um, before it came out and just all around awesome guy can't say enough good things about Mika so if you're listening uh, yeah cheers to you man and the, I didn't get to recommend that album last time as part of my overall recommendations but as far as newer talents in, in the genre go like definitely highly recommended check that one out um, so I'll mention quickly uh, Kiranen, Tommy Kiranen. I don't, I don't know his music as well because I don't really listen to a lot of pure harsh noise. But he was one of the important people early on for getting this collective to get shows together. He had a lot of contacts outside of the country. He's a member of Testicle Hazard, which is a mm. project with Lassie Murhog, um, which is like fantastic harsh noise. He used to record his Rula. Now he records under his own name. Uh, but he brought consumer electronics, pain jerk, montage, government alpha. He's all to Finland. He's toured Japan twice himself. And I saw him at the last United Forces of Industrial in London doing a live gig, which was really phenomenal. He's, he's this like bald headed guy who dresses pretty sharp. He's got like some sharp luggage that he brings his gear in. And he looks like totally not like the normal gruff noise dudes who wear all black and all have these military caps and black military pants and boots and all the rest it just is like just looks like totally out of place he's wearing but a three-piece suit pretty <laughs> much, like yeah he had a vest on the the one time like uh like a fancy vest and but he's like an awesome like just pure fantastic harsh noise and was i know very influential and helpful in, in terms of getting people uh, into the country uh, in order to get bigger shows going on and get sort of excitement in the scene after things had maybe gotten a little um, had died down a bit and I, I think he was in part helping or had a PA system that was used a lot of the shows, stuff like that so uh, not somebody I know as well as far as the music goes but definitely worth mentioning uh, Hare is another one who is a little bit of an outlier, he's done a lot of work on um, freak animal but he has this way more psychedelic like 70s style noise it's it's not like progressive noise because that sounds stupid but it definitely is a very different vibe it's not your normal filth violence hate degeneration all that shit it's way more psychedelic it's just this like really miasma murky stuff that can build into some massive sounding tracks and uh again not an artist i know super well i've got some of his material i have one tape that was super poorly dubbed and just sounds like nothing basically which was my introduction to the project and a poor one but i dipped my toe again and all everything i've heard that he's done has been really good but i don't know him super well i i've I, he's probably been at shows i've been at but i don't know him on a personal level so it's a little harder to comment uh, the next person I want to mention is Halfen, who um, passed away earlier this year, Sebastian. He was, I've heard mixed accounts and I've seen different things. He, I think, was somebody who really struggled with his drinking on and off for the majority of his life. And so, like, the first time I played in Finland, he came to the show and everybody told me that, oh, you see this mattress over there in the corner? That's for Sebastian because he's going to get so drunk that he'll fall asleep <laughs> and like 30 minutes into the show had passed out and was just like we're in a we were in the bunker the last version of the bunker that Pazzy had before there was no more bunker and it was this 
like sort of loft in, in a bigger warehouse and it was a huge concrete room with a wall of amplifiers that was I don't know close to 20 feet across so it is like insanely loud and, it, and it's like five feet from a huge concrete wall so the acoustics of the place are just designed to wreck your world as far <laughs> as hearing things and here's this young you know well, older gentleman passed out on a mattress <laughs> like um you know, I know that different people had different experiences, but he was a long-term player in the scene. He did a very, a much closer to German electronic sound than the normal traditional, uh, harsh, brutal Finnish style. His later work got closer to that, and he was always there's always this attempted marriage of more brutal sounds with a more Euro style that, as far as I know, was never really reached perfection, but. Um, Pazzi was doing some live electronics with him it's for some of the sets there are different stories of insane drunken debauchery but he was an important guy and I know he was a friend to many and a long long running player in the scene so and also was like big into a lot of punk and hardcore and other things other genres um, other scenes in the country so he was always super nice when I met him I do want to play one track from one of his early CDRs and it's cool. It's one of these ones where the vocals are so affected that you can barely tell that they're vocals, and it's got a really great opening bass synth line. So I'm gonna. This is Bloody Empire by Halfen. the vocals it's that good shit so I'm all about the hyper distorted vocals some people are not not so much about it I'll name just a couple other notable current or somewhat current artists there's there's a lot of people working right now in this scene so I'm not gonna cover everybody but I'll do my best KSNK who used to record his manic depression is really good both his manic depressive Romantic Depression tape and the KSNK CD that recently came out that collects a couple different tapes are both top tier stuff. Menem or M-N-E-M, which is like real to real murky noise industrial stuff is really, really good. Contortus is another one that is an interesting mix of American style harsh noise a little bit combined with some power electronics -y stuff, but it's a really very organic, animal-sounding kind of a thing. Uh, they've got some good workout, and they're, they're currently active. Maskhead does brutal, sexual-oriented, harsh noise that is really... All the albums he's done, as far as the art, I like on all of them. It really fits the music. His first tape on Filth and Vance, I think it was, is really good. Maybe I, I want to say that he did one for Wrath, but maybe I'm misremembering. Um, and then he's done more recent ones on Obsessive Fundamental Realism, which is Scott Mother's label, that are also very good. Rotot's another really good one. Harsh Noise, Power Electronics Mixture. 
White Swan is more of a, I'd say a pretty prurient influenced Powerlectronics artist. He's kind of a mixed bag, but I really liked, I think he's the one who did the tape on uh, Wrath that I was really into. There's XXXX, who I don't know personally. Edge of Decay, I've heard a little bit. Good Harsh Noise. Temple of Tiramis, which is the guy who was originally an Unholy and is not really Harsh Noise, is more of a weird ambient type of stuff. Uh, H-O-H and the H, is, or the O rather, has, I think it's the umlaut or whatever, the two dots, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's well. called. Uh, there's Tiho, Tihio, which is T-Y-H-J-I-O. Whitewater Orgasm, and there was also Decondition, who I don't think is active anymore, Above Suspicion, Funeral Mongoloids, which is more of a noise core project that Pekka PT was in, and oh, there's another one, SKKK, and I mentioned Pannail before, so if you check out the Nier Kikirpa collection, or uh, compilation rather, on Filth and Violence, the first one has a bunch of artists that didn't do a lot of recorded work, but is a snapshot of the scene at the time, and maybe even some of it was a little old by the time it came out, but it's a really cool tape of a lot of unknown artists from Finland, and it's been reissued on CD, I think at least once, and is highly recommended. The second Nier Kikirpa, which I think was reissued, but I'm not positive on that, also has some, although it's got some international artists mixed in there, too. A Blutrecht, which is the uh, electronic project of Dead Reptile Shrine, is another one to mention. And I mentioned Cloma and Alexima last time. I'm trying to think if there's anybody big I'm forgetting. Well, and I spoke about Umpio, my buddy Penti from Turku. He's another guy who, he runs Neko Records, which is an active label that does... Again, stuff that's mostly far away from filth and violence or freak animal style. There's a lot of more esoteric and avant-garde electronic, but also tons of incredible just like acoustic junk metal abuse and all sorts of different things. Penti's been another incredible friend, incredible host. Uh, we did a collaboration, Concrete Mascara and Umpio, that was a male collaboration. I did some basically full tracks that he remixed and, and then he sent me some stuff and we wound up doing a lot of it by mail or really email, and then we recorded some stuff together when I stayed with him the first time. And the album is, it's one of my favorites in the discography, but it's, it's so great because of what he did with my otherwise not always perfect sounding stuff. And he really turned it into this massive, cohesive, like 45 minute hole. Uh, and he's done a ton of other really good collaboration work. He's a guy who just keeps working and putting stuff out and has a ton of amazing material that's sitting in with labels that are super slow to respond and haven't done anything. And he's like tried to work with a bunch of people who then never put out the stuff. And, uh, you know, happily, it's never really slowed him down for the most part. He continues to just release great music, even if other people are shitty about really working with him. Um, and the last person I know I mentioned him last time again is Will Over Matter, which is. Harold Mentor's project from Ride for Revenge is industrial stuff. He's been involved in a lot of other industrial slash black metal whatever mixture projects that I'll get into in a little bit here in a second. But I want to play two quick Will Over Matter songs to just show the different sides to it. Some of them have this 
almost like dubstepy electronic-y vibe to them, especially on the Might of the Planet Eater double album. But then other ones are way more abstract. So I'm going to play a sort of more abstract one. And then I had talked about the split he did with Bizarre Uproar. I'm going to play a little bit of one of the tracks from that real quick. So this is some weird shit. <laughs> So that's seven from the seven impulses tape, and then this is Kome Kutosta from the Bizarre Uproar Split 12 inch. partially made up of reverse drum loops and uh, speeches from somebody. So, yeah, definitely weirdo, weirdo stuff that's more on the outline, not, not necessarily brutal, but has evolved hugely as a project, and his most current stuff is highly recommended again. So yeah, so that, that does it as far as showing you guys music, talking about uh, the musicians themselves. If I didn't say it already, I'll just briefly say, Nico Aspa has a storefront called Sarvi Levitt. I already talked about this in Lofty. I think you yeah, briefly where I, did. Yeah. Where I dropped a ton of money mm -hmm. and all that. Yes. So not everything that he has is on the store floor, as it were, but if you're there and trying to hunt down some of the older freak animal things and all that. Just talk talk to Miko or if anybody else is working and just say, show me the, the old stuff, the good stuff, and the boxes start coming out and then it's just like my wallet is crying uncle immediately. Um, I mentioned Yoensu, I talked about Turku. Oh, Chaos Control started in, uh, I believe it to be Montansala, Montansala which is near Lati and was originally sort of a mixture of industrial and power electronics and ambient. I know that the guy who runs the label, my understanding is he, he basically hosted a big ambient music festival or show and got artists like the famous ambient, dark ambient artists from all over Europe to come out to this super small town in Finland that like nobody goes to yeah. and is totally not close to anything. And this was, must have been 18 years ago or something like that. I think it was the late 90s, early 2000s, and spent a ton of money to essentially make this thing happen. And I don't know if it was well attended. This was well before my time, but just, you know, wanted to make it happen and, and kind of did. And I hugely respect that. The label since moved to Turku and now doesn't really do so much noise. It's all about noise rock. 
He is um, in the band Throat, which is probably the best noise rock band in Finland, which has a surprisingly uh, solid core of noise ro- noise rock bands that are mostly from Turku. And uh, Baxter, Stockman, Fun, um, shit, I forget the other one. And Hebo Gosol, Higo Basol. I don't know, they're like a sludge noise rock band. Anyways, Chaos Control's fucking great. I highly recommend pretty much everything on that label. They're they're an outlier again, or not even necessarily an outlier. They're just, they're not, for me, what I think of as like Finnish noise, aka Freak Animal, Filth and Violence. They're a little different. The Astronomy C had an early 7-inch on the label and things like that. Um, so as far as live shows go, there are venues everywhere but there aren't a ton of venues to do this kind of a thing. The bunker that Pazzy used to have, which originally was a warehouse and then was this loft in a warehouse, was one of the mainstays in Vanta. And then once that was closed down, the Conti really picked up, which I mentioned last time. That was run by Nico from Obscurix Records, who put out a bunch of great tapes and a couple LPs on Obscurix, but has this shipping container that's still going strong and is in this back behind warehouses and whatever in this super industrial part. It is a treacherous drive in the wintertime and I have only ever been there in the wintertime. And the last time I was there and played a show was fucking freezing. Like my toes were just cold for six hours. And uh, they, they were, I was told about when Der Sturmer and Goatmoon played a gig there secretly there was like two feet of snow and they had to shovel out like all the snow to get to even into the container. They've since opened it up a little bit. I think they've changed the layout of the whole area so that there's a little bit more room to get in and out. But there's a huge metal upside down cross that sits outside of it during the shows. And then there's like a big spiked bat and there's all these like banners and all this crazy shit inside Like a baseball bat or like like the animal a bat? Uh, like a baseball bat uh, filled with huge nails. Um, I know that I, as far as I understand, Bizarre Uproar still records the majority of their stuff there. A bunch of other related projects record there. It's a space where you can record at full volume on amplifiers and nobody's going to say anything. And it is, I mean, it is like when you're on the turnpike and you drive past the shipping yards in North Jersey, it is a shipping container. There, there's no mystery here. This is really what it is. And, uh, it's an incredible, just little magic place for noise. And if it's just the right amount of people and it gets loud enough with the PA and the amps to really do some damage and easily the best show I ever played was, or one of the best shows, I guess, the best one in Finland for sure was the, the last Comte show I played. And I'll tell, I guess, a little bit more detail the happenings of the first Comte show I played. So... I was super excited because my first trip out to Finland, I didn't get to meet with Mika from Unclean. We had hoped to do it, but it just didn't work out. Kuopio is surprisingly far away and expensive to get from Helsinki to there and vice versa. So for the second trip, I was going to go to Kuopio at the tail end of the trip and stay with him for like four or five days. But first I wound up talking with Nico and we got a gig lined up at the Conti and... I guess to backtrack just quickly, my first trip out, I played at the the last incarnation of the bunker that Pazzy had, and they made me headline. And it was like my first proper Concrete Mascara show, and I had to go before, or rather after, Bizarre Uproar, SSRI, and Will Over Matter. 
and SSRI was just starting and I and I knew well over matter but it was before he really got to the height of his powers but Bizarre Uproar was in like a period of and really has stayed in the period of just like constant gold and his performance was fucking amazing like it was so goddamn good and I'm sitting there and I'm like are you fucking kidding me? Like, are you, like I have to go next and happily the show went really well for and I rehearsed a bunch for it and whatever so you think no I, there, people said nice things and they're not ones to lie to you there, so which I appreciate. And for my, you know, first really proper live show as Concrete Mascara, it it could have gone so much worse. And I owe a huge debt of uh, gratitude to Ville from Erratic Sporadicism Tapes, who was like, "You're a drinker. You shouldn't drink heavily before this. Like, just chill out. Because if you get nervous and just get drunk, you're gonna fuck it up." And basically, because I had been telling him stories about my drinking, and he was like, "Yeah, don't do that." And really was like, we only bought a six pack on our way there and then we didn't get more. We got super trashed afterwards, but was like, he was really much like, you sound like you're an out of control person and need <laughs> yeah. help. You're not going to drink all of the alcohol. <laughs> right. Right. And, and this was a guy who Pazzy Markula set me up with on my, right before my first trip there. Cause Pazzy was like, I've got a kid. I've got things to do. I've got a job. Like I don't have time to hang out. Like, sorry, but. You should talk to this guy. And the first night I met Ville, he takes me to an 80s goth club and we proceed to get yeah. super drunk. Yeah. And I almost died that night because I fell in a snowbank trying to take a piss. It was exactly the way I thought I would die in Finland. Yeah. Really close to happening. Woke up in my hostel covered in snow and like, well, basically that had frozen because they left the hostel bedroom window open and I was still in all my clothes because I was so pissed drunk. And But we... It went really well. We hung out. We listened to a lot of Italian disco. He's an awesome guy. He ran an awesome label. Um, but anyway, so that show was all... Everything was great. Nobody saw what raging alcoholic Frank looks like. And the first Conti show was literally a month... Be- less than a month before I got sober. Like, this is... This was one of the primary catalysts to me ending a 10-year-long drinking spree. And... Uh, we get to we get to Conti. I stayed the night before in Lati at Miko Aspas' house, and he drove me there. And then he had some stuff to do and was coming back later. And I think Mika met us from Kuopio in Lati, and then uh, Miko Aspa drove us both to the container, and then Nico met us there. And for those who don't know these people, the names are probably going to bleed together. So apologize in advance. And we're like, let's go get some beers. Let's go get some food. So we like go to McDonald's, we go to the liquor store and we come back and then the show's not for like six hours. And I, I just met Mika and we're like, you know, getting to know one another and we're supposed to do this collaborative set that we've done no rehearsal for other than send a couple <laughs> cents back and forth. And we kind of get it together. We do this fantastic full length rehearsal. That's like 20 minutes long that thank God Nico captured. And, uh, we're like, oh, this is fucking great. This is going to be so great, blah, blah, blah. And a couple months before this, I had played a show in Philly where I was out of my mind fucked up and had just done, like, tons of speed all day and then just drank an insane amount of J&B on top of it, like, smashed the bottle on the Is this the stage. one where you carved your band name in your chest? Well, that's what I'm getting to, yeah. So so I was all hyped from that show thinking, I can drink all I want and perform at top, top-notch level. Like, this is, this is in the bag. So then I kill like the next four hours by just getting completely blacked out drunk. And the whole time I'm telling everybody like, it's going to be fun. I can drink all I want. Blah, blah, blah. You know, just like, and the Finns all know how to drink. So they're like, yeah, no worries. Blah, blah, blah. And I don't even remember most of the sets before mine. Like I was just in and out of a complete blackout. 
And then I don't remember performing at all. All I remember is coming to and I, I had a razor. It was from like a shaving razor that I'd broken the head off, took the super thin razor blades out and then had proceeded to cut um, like the initials for our collaborative project, which was the Suomi American Hate Alliance into my chest. And this is peak alcoholism, Frank. So I got this huge fucking beer gut and I, <laughs> I'm like unable to stand up straight for the entirety of the performance. Apparently, tons of stuff wasn't plugged in right by the time we played. I was trying to use a an iPod Touch, which I couldn't operate at full drunken capacity. <laughs> and so the set, like, fell apart in the second half of it. Like, the synths wouldn't work. Like, I couldn't get... It was a fucking disaster. Like, Mika was, I think, like, relatively drunk, but not... Like, he was fine, yeah. and I was... And so then I just come to, and I'm doing this, and I'm like, oh, what the fuck? And I go to play the last song. It doesn't work. I flip out. I take my brand new octave pedal, chuck it against the ground as hard as I can. It bounces off the floor, <coughs> breaks through the window, and then I black out, and I come to, and I'm in the back of a station wagon, and I've got my leather jacket over me with no shirt on. There's blood, like, caking my leather jacket to my skin, and Pekka PT is driving, and I'm like, where am I? And all the other guys in the car are like what the fuck and I'm just like they start laughing and I'm like what like what happened now what like is everything good and they were like dude like nobody even really said anything all I remember is being at a rest stop eating a donut having a cup of coffee and then just passing back out and then we got to Turku at like five in the morning and Penty dropped me off at Pe uh or Pekka dro dropped me off at Penty's house where I like met Penty for the first time, and then we stayed up for an hour bullshitting. He's like, I gotta so covered like, in dried blood. Yeah, and I was like, I gotta take a shower. He's like, there's a sleeping bag in the back for you, don't worry about that stuff. Like, blah. He's like, I gotta go to work soon. So, like, he jets off to work, and I'm like, just, you know, I woke up the next day with such an incredibly deep sense of shame. The moral hangover was so profoundly yeah. strong. You were just like this problem child that. Finnish people kept pawning off on other Finnish people. Not really. It was all according to a plan that I had apparently set in motion when I was sober. Like, I mean, I this was all supposed to happen. Like, I was supposed to go down to Turku. Pekka had agreed he was going to be the show and drive me back and all yeah, this stuff. that's where I... But, like, I was like, do I have my suitcase? What's in the suitcase? Did I get all my gear? Like, yeah. I don't know. Like, I wake up to the next day. I didn't even know about the window. Nico emails me. He's like, hey, man, like, you know... Uh, can you pay me back for the window because it's the dead of winter and not everything's gonna get ruined and I was like uh, You broke our one window. Yeah, yeah, like I'm like, oh shit. I was like, of course like, you know, paid him right away I call up. Uh, I think I was texting Mika. I was like, dude I'm so sorry for last night but like I don't and I think I waited like a full day because yeah. I was so ashamed Yeah, and uh, he was like it happens to the best of us blah blah blah. Don't worry about it like I still don't really know except for the fact that Auntie Oksanen who's a different Finnish noise guy, I failed to mention, um, recorded the whole fucking performance. So if you really want to see what it looks like, go on YouTube, type in Concrete uh. Mascara Vanta, and uh, you can see me unable to stand up straight for the entirety of the set and then later shirtless. And, and uh, it was, it is, I can't watch, I've never watched it completely because it makes me physically ill. And yeah. um, I don't think I want to watch it. Yeah, it is horrible. I do. It is super depressing. <laughs> what, was, what was the name of the place? Please continue. Yeah, so... That's the Conti. I, I, I believe that Rooster Pub, which is the bar next to Sarvi Levitt and Lati, is no longer there. Although, I'm not entirely sure about that. 
But that was a place where they were occasionally doing noise shows in Lottie. Um, they had some foreign bands there as well as Grunt and Pain Mail and things like that. There are clubhouses in Vanta that are quite close to Conti. Uh, one was a biker, like one percenter clubhouse. And then I think there's another different one that's maybe not in Vanta. I'm not really sure. I haven't been to it. I haven't been to a show at the Biker Clubhouse one, and it's really more they had a black metal thing going on because Goat Moon used to record and perform and whatever there. And I was there for a Goat Moon rehearsal, but I I haven't been to a noise show there, but I know that at least that was kind of a gig place. And then the other incredible venue was the third trip I took to Finland was to Oulu, and they had this summer gig thing that they did in the countryside of Oulu uh, that Miko from Piha Kuolema and Tervahat was organized with another guy and it was in this basically like a country villa kind of a house that was just that prior World War II and then in World War II I think it was like a staging area and then post World War II it became a vacation area for like pensioners to go to and now I think it serves a bunch of different purposes but it's an it's an old uh, wooden Finnish house it's filled with all this Finnish nationalist art and like war, war hero stuff and animals and taxidermy it's like really really cool and I basically flew out because I really wanted to see Flesh Press play live and I had never seen them before and so I spent like a thousand dollars to fly there and back for like three days and um, Miko was also playing as Unclean, he was I think opening the show or the second band to play and I wound up doing secret backup vocals for the last track which was a cover of Kingdom Coming by Brethren that we did and it was fun, I sat through the whole performance in all black and this is of course in the summertime with like a hoodie on with the hood up and then a uh, like stocking over my face and just like sat there breathing heavily. And it was really an interesting show because um, the guy, Miko, whose nickname is Rimu, um, I think the people he was friends with and some of the other people that were there, like there was, it was half nice, normal Finnish boys and girls who were, you know, into like more obscure stuff, but were <coughs> normal and nice and the kind of people you would, see drinking PBR at a party and maybe do a bump of coke with or something like that. <laughs> and then the other half of the, the group was like Finnish noise had degenerates and uh, Unclean is not necessarily super PC with a lot of the content and uh, our Brethren cover certainly wasn't and it just like made everybody really uncomfortable and was sort of the idea and uh, was a lot of fun. And then I got to see for the first time Pia Kualema which is just a one-man neo-folk project by Rimu and is, I mean, you've heard that, that's the, the Finnish folk music that I oh, play. it's so nice. Yeah, it's incredibly gorgeous mm -hmm. and I deeply wish I understood Finnish just for that band alone. I've had the lyrics explained to me a little bit by the artist himself and then some random girl at the last time I saw him play live. But when I saw him at this particular show, and I know this, this is kind of, it's not really far off from Finnish Noise because it's part of an overall nexus. He, he's involved in Vapandoristi, which is an RAC band and um, some other stuff and is active in the scene as far as goes to shows and whatever. But he played and he was with another guy who played 
acoustic guitar, and then they had a guy who had like, his drum set was an old suitcase was the kick drum, and he had one snare, and I think it was like a cowbell, and it was a twin acoustic guitar set with this minimal drumming and in a tiny room where they burned like incense to start it and everybody was sitting in chairs. It was one of the most enchanting and beautiful, like incredible sets ever. And the, the songs that he did for it were specifically for this one show and they were about, I think it was a friend that he had lost and some other stuff. And it was all deeply personal. And even without understanding the language was so moving in the way, like, it, it just was incredible, like, one of the best experiences of my life. And then Pain Nail and Flesh Press played, and it was, that it was, like, hands down one of the top five shows I've ever been to, and just, like, incredibly good experiences. To, like, fly across an ocean and mm -hmm. up north and all the rest, just to, and the first time I spent in Lolo as well, in, in the beautiful summer, first time in Finland in the summer, it was it was amazing like never to be replicated experience um and uh i wound up staying with uh miko from pia Kualema at the end of the trip the last night because i flew in and out of helsinki but then had to fly from helsinki to Oulu, and so i stayed with him i got in and he, he he got up with me at like four in the morning and helped me catch the right bus to the airport and all this stuff after we only got like three hours of sleep and mm. was just an incredible host, an incredibly nice guy. Every time I've, um, well, I guess that trip and the subsequent trip, both times I got to stay at his place and it's just somebody who's been really another really just pleasurable experience, great conversation, awesome. I guess the last thing I'll, I'll talk about is the sort of unique, or not necessarily unique, but interesting interplay between black metal and harsh noise industrial electronics in Finland. It's much more common, especially in the post-hospital productions era of the United States noise, for people to think, people to be into both black metal and noise and think of them as the same kind of counterculture, similar aesthetics, like, you know, young white guy vibe. Uh, and in Finland, there is some crossover, but Finnish black metal is a much bigger scene. And Finland has like more metal bands per capita than anywhere else in the world, I think, like legitimately in terms of statistics. And they have a huge black metal scene. Uh, and even in the underground part of that, there are a lot of people that know Northern Heritage and have like zero interest in what Freak Animal does. And then there are a lot of people that don't, um, or that rather have a split interest. I mentioned Harold Mentor many times. Ride for Revenge is already a noisy and weird project, and there are whole songs that are basically just noise tracks. Uh, his label, Bestial Burst, has an incredible mix of straight-up black metal, weirdo pseudo-black metal, stuff like Reptile Womb, which is his project with um, Colin, who used to do Below, uh, Ritual Violence, which is Colin, Sammy, and Pazzi, and then Dead Reptile Shrine, and then like Masochisme, which is this like ultra distorted, shitty like black metal stuff, and runs the gamut. Then he's got some straight harsh noise albums on the label and things like that. So that is a, a unique place where they all come together. Northern Heritage is just a black metal label, basically, or not just, but is primarily that and Freak Animal is the other half of it but is separate and there's not really any black metal on Freak Animal and there's no real industrial releases 
on Northern Heritage. Um, but there are a number of people, Miko Aspa, Harold Mentor, Pazzi Markula. Pazzi does like always the shittiest, most lo-fi lo black metal, um, but he's involved um, with both. And he, he does this awesome project with Sammy. And I think, I want to say that, I don't know if the guy from Goat Moon is still in it, but is called Flooded Church of Asmodeus. And the first demo tape is just this like, obscenely like the vocals all just come out like <laughs> and just just like dirging riffs and all these 70s and 60s horror movie samples just one after another rapid fire songs of just blasting miserableness um there's there's a where when it intersects it is like so phenomenal for the most part most of the bands are done by people that are good at both genres it's not like shitty black metal with noisy parts or shitty noise with black metal parts it's like a real combination of both flavors and ride for revenge is probably like they're mostly black metal but i would definitely put them high in the list of the best bands that combine the two to some degree and um flooded church for my taste is probably the other major one Reptile Womb is also very good, and um, Clandestine Blaze, just with some of his intro stuff, if you listen to a lot of Miko Aspa's other projects, you'll hear similar sounds and samples and things like that There's that are used really well, that it's not like ever full noise, but always has elements of that, and especially in the graphic design and, and all that. And then Dead Reptile Shrine is the other one worth mentioning, where it's Calling it black metal is to be generous. It is the most weirdo, obscure, outsider shit. And I've heard some rumors about who's really behind the music and who's not. But it combines everything from the lowest fi basement folk meets black metal meets like bizarro ambient shit and uh, is really cool and worth, worth a listen as well. Um, but I, I could go on and on. I think, though, that I've... I have probably covered this as extensively as anybody's going to care to hear. So, yeah, that is my my personal experiences and um, recommendations as far as finished noise goes. And for all my mistakes, I apologize. Shoot me an email, shoot me a text or whatever. Let me know and I can uh, make an editor's note as far as... in. in incorrect information on the uh, podcast description so if I fucked it up let me know but otherwise check these albums out buy some records buy some tapes do your part uh, support the underground and if not it doesn't really matter we're gonna carry on without you so it's true they will I've seen it it happens it does so that's it and great great work yeah well done so Beardo Ben What's your best buy? What's your best buy? Uh, so, my best buy, mainly because I want to um, review another book by a guy whose books and comic books I've already reviewed on the podcast. I'm currently reading one of the newer Joe Hill novels, but uh, it made me think of a comic book series I like very much. I haven't uh, quite dove into all of it. You are drooling all over your face, Dick That's not drool. It's just for my beard. Condensation. Okay. Condensation, all right. Um, it's a comic book that is not for the faint of heart. Uh-oh. It has Zip. many, many different writers. I think even Alan Moore might have touched base on it. Don't quote me on that. I, I could know, be totally I wrong. About. It is a comic called Crossed. 
Uh, I have the first few, I have the first, like, collection in all individuals, and then I have the second collection as a um, trade. It's, so when I was younger, I got really into zombies for a while, and the whole idea of mass infection and everything and all this stuff. And um, the older I got, the more boring zombies got. I, I honestly blame Walking Dead for a lot of that, because it's just the same shit over and over again. Uh, Crossed kind of takes that idea of a virus that turns people into, like, these monsters and kind of flips it on its head a little bit, where instead of dead people walking around eating flesh, it turns, this virus turns people into these crazed maniacs that rape, murder, and torture everyone. And it's called Crossed because whoever's infected breaks out in this, I want to say, almost decomposition and across a go, going the set down the center of their face and then across their nose. Mm-hmm. So it kind of creates a cross. And it's very, <coughs> very, very brutal. If you are faint of heart, I don't suggest reading it because... Um, they don't shy away from the rough stuff. They don't shy away from uh, any of the rough stuff. And the, the disease is passed, can be passed through a bite can be passed through transference of blood, can be passed because one of them rapes you. Yeah. But it's it's very well written and Wear takes rubber. Yeah, takes a lot of chances. I definitely recommend it. Um, it's one of the better horror comics I've read in the last few years. Uh, there's there's some others that I could cite, but it it's definitely a lot different than um, a lot of the stuff that's out there. And I don't know... I should actually look this up before I fucking claim it. But um, I think perhaps the lead singer of my favorite band uh, might have written some of it. Say anything? Yeah, I think, I think Max Bemis might have Well, I can say it. that I've, I've uh, stuck a peek at some of the, the issues that you have or the collection or whatever it was. It's definitely... It reminded me of Preacher a little bit in the art style and the sort of visceralness of it, but it's... It's way more consistently brutal, and from what I read, than than not. So he wrote he wrote um, one of the offshoots uh, called Crossed Badlands, but I mean it's it's right off the bat. I just looked up some of the writers, two powerhouses of comic book writing, Garth Ennis, who is a fucking dynamo if you know anything about comics, Alan Moore. Mm. And also, David... Did you say Moore? Yeah. <laughs> Moore. Uh, and you know, Alan Moore, the crazy, alcoholic, um, insane English wizard man. Yeah. Uh, David Lapham, Simon Spur. It's written by a bunch of people, and it's very, very good. There's been some offshoots. It's done by Avatar Press. It's going to say that... Is it Dark Horse? Is it Avatar? No, it's Avatar Press. And I mean, you know, r- to really find good horror comics nowadays, you got to go off of, like, definitely away from the big three. You don't want to go DC, Marvel, really. You don't want to go Image, because a- as much as I like Image, it's it's just a 90 ki- 90s kid's boner yeah. of, like, extreme! Yeah, like, well, there are some really good recommendations. I'll have to send you... You know, we opened up with some stuff from Special Interest. There's a great comic book thread where they've got a ton of... They mentioned comics, a lot of which are, like, impossible to get now, of, like, hyper-violence and, like, horror only in the sense of 
Like, they just go way beyond the pale. And it's not just, like, Boiled Angel-type stuff, but, like, legitimate comic book series that were just next-level insane. A lot of which I'm always like, I want to get, but then I look at the cost of the trades or the omnibus and whatever, and I'm like, oh, it's Yeah, and it's like utterly so, insane. Yeah, it's super expensive. And unfortunately, modern-day horror comics kind of don't play out too well they're a little too comic booky let's say yeah I the mean, writing normally sucks yeah uh, some of it's good like I've read the first couple of um Nailbiter which is just essentially all about serial killers which is pretty good but like how many serial killers can come from this one town that's the mystery essentially yeah it's hard to get a premise that doesn't suck and that's what you know I think one of your first best buys was Lock and Key which like as far as reading a horror comic book or just a good comic book you can't beat with a stick for the most part. I mean, other than Alan Moore's work and some other... I mean, Lock and Key is incredible. Yeah, and I, but, you know, a lot of Alan Moore's good stuff is his old stuff. Yeah. Back when he was even more crazy than he is now, somehow. So, definitely check it out. Um, it's... You're not going to find it at, like, a fucking Barnes & Noble or anything. You're probably either going to have to go to, like, a dedicated comic book shop that's got a decent selection of hardcore not even a hardcore just some stuff that's not necessarily mainstream like you don't want to go to a you want to go more like a mom and pop shop versus you know a comic book shop that's franchised in any way sorry um but yeah you can definitely get them on amazon uh they're not out of print in any way shape or form they're not entirely expensive so Check it out. Definitely pick up the first trade. Um, it, they're they're good and they're brutal and it has some kind of dark humor to it. So I definitely recommend that. Cool. Cool. Well, that's it. Yeah, we will. We had promised to be back in a week. That didn't pan out. So we'll be back in another two as per usual. I think we're covering unsolved mysteries next time. Yikes. Unsolved murders. Unsolved murders. Murder yeah, mysteries. We got some stuff coming up in the docket. Um, a lot of good shit. Stay tuned. Uh, check us out on Facebook under Motel Hell Podcast. Check us out on Instagram under just Motel Hell. Motel Hell Podcast. Motel Hell Podcast. Like, rate, revive, revive us. Please revive us on iTunes. Review, um, subscribe, all that good stuff. Like I said last time, even if you don't like it, at least, you know, be a part of it. <laughs> Rate us in any way you deem fit. Leave us a little note. Uh, if you guys, whoever is getting us up to 40 listens per episode, if you guys have any suggestions or anything you want us to talk about. Fuck right off. We've got <laughs> I, don't, I don't need outside help from my podcast. No, that, I would like that. Much. Definitely let us know. Sure. And, uh, yeah. Some of us are more open to help than others. But, anyways, later, nerds. Later, nerds.